This is Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church. Thank you for joining me. My guest was imprisoned for two and a half years. His crime, being a follower of Jesus in the small East African nation of Eritrea, which used to be a part of Ethiopia. Now, before we meet Kadani Gebremeskel Gedeon and what led up to his arrest and that of thousands of other evangelical believers, just want to give you a little bit of background about Eritrea. It is one of the most secretive and isolated countries in the world. Now, back in 2002, the government outlawed every religion except Sunni Islam, Eritrean Orthodox, Roman Catholicism, and the Lutheran Church. All other religious groups are illegal, and the government heavily controls the approved churches. Years of communism required military service, and economic depression forced many Eritreans, including evangelical Christians, to flee the country. Well, despite the hardships, the underground church in Eritrea continues to grow due to the faithfulness of church leaders both inside and outside the country, but many have spent years in prison as a result of their Christian activities. Over the last 19 years, thousands of Christians have been imprisoned because of their faith in Jesus. Now, it appeared that there's maybe a softening by the oppressive government towards evangelicals earlier this year. Dozens were released from prison. Some of them had been behind bars for more than 10 years. Now, it's difficult to know the motivation for the release of these followers of Jesus, but hundreds still remain in military prisons and in shipping containers in absolutely horrible conditions. Here now is my interview with Kadani Gebremeskel Gedeon. Kadani, before we talk about your imprisonment from 2005 to 2007, let's go back to 1984. You were 22 years old, and at that time, Eritrea was a part of Ethiopia under communism. You made a decision to follow Jesus, and I, you knew right away that it was going to be very difficult. Yes, yeah, because the situation at that time was, uh, as you have already mentioned, it was uh, the communist uh, leaders and also the military leadership of Ethiopia. It was, yeah, oppressed Christianity. Uh, all the believers were oppressed. So what uh, did persecution look like under communism at that time? Yeah, at that time, uh, it varies, depend on the places and the people who are persecuting. And some other, some places very harsh and very intense. In some places, it was uh, quite a little bit and in some area, in fact, there were also uh, allowed legally uh, churches like Seventh-day Adventists and uh, the Lutheran churches. So it varies depend on the places and the people who govern the area. So you, though, knew when you made that decision to follow Christ that there was a cost to pay, but you still went ahead and followed Jesus. So you must have had a strong conviction that Jesus was who he said he was and that he was the way to get to heaven. Yes, that's why, yeah. Whenever they uh, witness the, uh, the, the Christ to anybody, the first thing they want is uh, from the, the book of uh, Matthew and from the Bible, all the disciples were persecuted and Jesus himself were persecuted. So anybody, when he decides to follow Jesus Christ, it is obvious that he is going to be persecuted. So they tell you, they warn you, they they already uh, openly uh, teach you what will come next. And you also know, because you are living among the people, so you know that how the, the Christians, the believers were 
persecuted so you are going to disbelieve uh, with having a full knowledge what's going on. So that prepared you in a sense for what would happen later on. But during those you know, early years for you following Jesus in your 20s, did you get some opposition then from your family as well? Uh, not that much. In fact, uh, there were some signs, but uh, at that time, in fact, I was also working and uh, including I was also, uh, in addition to work, I was also going to school. So uh, I don't have even enough time to contact with my family because always uh, I'm outside, outside working after work to school. So I will meet my families at nighttime and uh, Sunday. So uh, yeah, uh, there were uh, some, uh, a little bit, but not that much, yeah, from my family. It was not that much. So eventually communism left Ethiopia. In 1991, Eritrea became an independent country. 1998, there was a war between Eritrea and Ethiopia. What were things like during those years, Kadani? Was the church growing? In those uh, almost eight years, the churches both in both countries, Ethiopia and Eritrea, were growing and fast. And uh, the, the, the number was tremendously growing and the church was uh, uh, operating in a good and nice and the leadership were very nice and uh, uh, the, the community almost accepted the, the, the Christianity in both countries. So it was very golden age, I can say the golden age, yeah. Yeah, and I you know, remember hearing about, especially Ethiopia, the evangelical church was really growing, and that was also obviously going on in Eritrea at the same time. So in 2002, May 2002, uh, you know, pastors were called together, and they were told that you could no longer meet, and they shut the churches down, the evangelical churches, and as I mentioned off the top, there were uh, some religious groups that were able to continue to meet. Was it because the church was growing so fast that that concern the Eritrean government? Uh, I don't think, but uh, in fact, uh, I was not there at that time, but when I uh, see the, the, the things and when I try to analyze, uh, the conflict by itself between Ethiopia and Eritrea was one concern. And at that time, Eritrea was under, uh, uh, you can say, state of emergency. And they need the security uh, to be peaceful, to, to live uh, and the, the, to, to, learn, to run the country in a peaceful way. So in the church also, there were different kinds of people, you know, provoke the government and uh, the speeches, the preachings, you know, uh, which conflicting with the government's uh, way of uh, leading. So. In addition to the growing of the church, in fact, it was not that much very concerning for the, the government, but the problem was the security between the, because of the conflict, you know. So they want to control everything and under the state of emergency. So they want to uh, close it. In fact, the, op the office was open, you know. The leaders were open the, uh, doing their, their uh uh, leading so but the the gathering together was uh stopped and uh but still the churches were operating their 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 uh service 
So at that time, you were in Ethiopia and you were pastoring there and things were, you know, happening in 2002 and you decided to come back. And and I know that you went to your leadership in Ethiopia and said, I'm going back to Eritrea. Your family was there. I mean, you must have known going back that, you know, you could be putting yourself in danger by doing that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, but uh, I have to decide because, uh, as you have already said, uh, since the conflict started and uh, the deportation from Ethiopia, many Eritreans were deported, including my family and my wife and two kids. So I've been in Ethiopia separating from my family three years and a half uh, after 98 uh, until 2002, uh, almost in August uh, 2002. So I decided to go back to Eritrea because I cannot even live in Ethiopia because I'm Eritrean already. Uh, they canceled my citizenship of Ethiopian. So I was lucky they did not deport me, but I still I was, I don't have any opportunity to live in Ethiopia. And also I have to meet with my family. So I decided even though the church was closed and even though there was a danger of uh, persecution or any other uh, economic or any other problems, but I decided to go back to live with my family because the priority should be family. No, absolutely. And we actually had an opportunity to meet in 2004 uh, in Asmara, which is the capital of Eritrea. In fact, we're going to put a picture up. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast uh, on the show notes, you can watch this interview. So we had a chance to go to your home. I met your wife and your three children at that time. Now you have four children. And, uh, you know, as I was talking to you and and the other uh, pastors there, uh, because we had gone with the Voice of the Martyrs to find out what was going on in Eritrea, because we were hearing, you know, hundreds, thousands of followers of Jesus were being put into shipping containers and military prisons. And the situation was very, very difficult. In fact, Eritrea was kind of called the North Korea of Africa. It was very difficult. And so as we were chatting, I said, well, how is it going in terms of evangelism? Are people still reaching out? Is the church still growing, even though the buildings were closed? And uh, you and the others told me, no, it, the church was still growing. So you were obviously very active uh, in seeing, you know, God's people uh, going out and telling others about Jesus. Uh, yeah, 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 you're right. At uh, that time, still the church was working. As I have already said, the office were open and the ministers and the pastors were doing their uh, duties and the members were at their home and working place. But there are some, in fact, were in prison from the, uh, the military areas and also from them. Uh, some um, abroad, I mean, the, the villages and different uh, provinces, there were some people uh, imprisoned, but not the, the whole people were imprisoned. Sometimes, you know, it's exaggerated, you know, they are also mm. imprisoned for a few months and years, but also there were free people, you know, living and working and uh, worshipping in their own house. The church was also open, uh, I mean, the office of the church, uh, but the situation was not that much comfortable. It was not open as that, and we were waiting for the registration, and the government was saying that we will register you. And it was on the process, but until 2005, completely shut down, all the offices were classified. yeah. 
So tell me, Kadani, about the day that you were arrested. Uh, you were going back to the church offices, as you mentioned. You couldn't have services there, but the officers were still open. And as you're approaching, you see some soldiers. Did at that point you knew that uh, you would be arrested, or what were you thinking? It was in uh, uh, January to 21st, 2005, in the morning. Just I went to the office and uh in the office after doing uh, devotional time and me and the, the registrar i mean the secretary uh have to uh, move out uh, somewhere and to the downtown i drop her to the downtown to do some other extra workers and then i come back to the office when i come back to the office it was around nine o'clock morning and uh, i saw a lot of soldiers uh, surrounding the building inside the building and definitely I know that they were coming to us and I, I parked my car outside of the, the compound and just I go inside and they ask me uh, my name and I say yes I am and then they say they told me that they are wait, waiting for me and then I know that they are coming to shut down the offices and to take me to the prison so uh, then they asked me everything to, to give them the keys, the computers and the rooms, everything. So uh, I said, uh, okay, because I don't have any choice and I was voluntarily uh, uh, surrender uh, for their requests. And then they took me to the prison. What did they say to you? What were you being charged with? Because I know one of the things that the Eritrean government under Isaiah Fawerki, uh, they're very paranoid, I guess that would be the word, that anybody that's evangelical Christian somehow has a tie to the West and are spies with the CIA. Did they say anything that you know, like that to you, or what did they say? At that moment, in fact, it was uh, just the, the police and the soldiers were came to capture me and the, the, the people who were found in the office. And they didn't say anything, but they took us to the police station. And in the police station, we stay for three days. And after three days, uh, the, the main uh, man came to ask questions. I integrated, uh, interrogate uh, the questions. And at that time, uh, they obviously, they ask you who fund you and uh, who is uh, working behind you. And you know, just they 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 suspect that we, as we have we have a connection with West Western world or with the the enemy, like they consider enemy in Ethiopian government because of the conflict, and uh, they ask us if we have any kind of connection, like political connection or uh, spying on other stuffs. But we were telling them we are a church. We are mm. a church and believing in Christ. We don't have any connection with the security or with any a kind of political involvement. So, uh, in fact, they suspect, but we also tell them. So they keep asking and they keep also checking our computers. And they told us to to open the computers because it was password locked. And they said they check the survey everything. But they couldn't find anything because we don't have any kind of uh, tie with any political uh, uh, parties. Were you able to let your wife know what was going on during this time? 
Ah, uh, yeah, that time, in fact, no, but uh, I try, in fact, uh, to tell them to, to call to my wife because uh, in the morning I came to work and uh, was having my uh, lunch uh, because in the lunchtime I don't go to my home. Normally I stay in the office, so I ask them to call to my wife, but they refuse. They don't allow me to call to my wife. So when they deny to give me a, a call from my office, I went to the second floor and we have also another phone. And uh, I try to quickly uh, call to my uh, co-workers, uh, the, the, the secretary. And I told her the police are in the office and I told her don't to come to the office. And I told her to tell to my wife and my family. That's the only thing. And as soon as... Uh, where I was uh, talking on phone, they, they came, the police came and uh, hung up the, the, the phone. You were taken to prison. Um, what were you feeling at that time? Were you feeling a lot of fear or what was going through your mind? At that time, I don't have any feeling of fear. I was uh, uh, brave and I was confident uh, because it was expected. You know, one day they will they will come to our office and you know that our communists are already in the prison, and in fact, especially uh, the lead, the chairman of the church was imprisoned before six months. So we were waiting. One day they will come uh, to us, or they will open the, the church. So uh, the, the we know that many people are imprisoned, and many people are also released from the prison. So. Uh, it was not a new thing for us, for me especially. So I was not worried. Uh, the only worry was about my family, my kids. But for myself, I know that after imprisonment, maybe I will, I will, I'll release, or I'll stay for a few days or months or years. I don't know. But I was not that much fearful. I was uh, confident. I was in brave, and I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess your, you know, earlier days, you know, being a Christian, following Jesus under communism, in a sense, prepared you, but you also had a dream prior to being arrested and put into prison. Tell me about that. Uh, before the imprisonment, it was uh, January 20, night time, I saw a dream, and the dream was uh, just having a share of bread with my co-ministers like uh, Haile Naizgi. And in the morning when I dropped off the secretary, I told to the lady and I told her today I had a dream and eating with uh, Haile and others also, those who are in prison and we were eating bread. And she said, maybe they will release. Yeah, I was also expecting maybe they will release today. And but. It was in the opposite, you know, because uh, they imprisoned me. So uh, my mind was, uh, you know, in fact, I was expecting they were released. You know, everybody was praying and everybody was waiting. They will be released. But also at the same time, we were also expecting one day we will join them. So uh, that was the dream. And the Lord already uh, showed me everything. So when they captured me, uh, I remember my dream. That one also another <laughs> confidence for me, yeah. Did that encourage you? I mean, being put in prison, of course, most of us cannot imagine being in such a situation like that, especially when you've done nothing wrong. It's because of your Christian faith. But was that helpful for you? Uh, in fact, uh, in addition to the dream, 
the Lord also had gave me a word from his uh, word when I was in Ethiopia in 2002. When I was praying at home, the word came to my mind and the Spirit talked to me and he said in Psalm 23, uh, verse, in fact, the whole psalm, especially verse 5 and 6, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the day of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, this word also was encouraging me. So, uh, the, the, the dream and this word and others also the the what the the, the 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 about the persecution i was already running and i was uh, teaching and i was also following other people so when it come to me directly uh, 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 all this stuff were encouraging me so i was confident and i i was i was uh, okay when i it took me you know over the years uh, kadani i've talked to many believers that have been in prison uh, but unlike your situation, they were really not prepared for it. I mean, I guess you can't be totally pre prepared and what you're going to be going through. But the Lord obviously did get you ready. And, you know, you talk about the joy that you had, even in the midst of prison. And we'll talk more about that in just a couple of moments. But during that time, that two and a half years, you were in three different prisons. Uh, the conditions are just horrible. Tell me about what it was like in the prison and some of the things that you experienced. Yeah, the, I was uh, in three uh, places. The first uh, place was uh, just local police station, and I would stay there for one week. And uh, at that time, in fact, uh, me and others were imprisoned with uh, a lot of uh, prisoners, like uh, criminal prisoners, and uh, some of them uh, were criminals, some of them were innocent, like us. Uh, some different people but every night in a small uh, room we were about 30 people more than even sometimes and uh, there is no restroom in the room but the restroom is outside so we have to use the bucket in the in the room and we cover it and uh, everybody if somebody is sick and he has to use that toilet and pee and also feces in the morning we have to drop it out and uh, it was very harsh and no place to sleep uh, on the floor. And uh, so that time, you know, uh, it's a new experience to, to, to be with this kind of people, different various people of people and a small uh, room and a lot of people and also no running water, no enough food. And it was horrible for the first time when you come in, in that room so and the brutal uh, heat was, too the heat yeah, is horrible that. yeah 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 the heat also yeah uh, and uh, after a week in fact they transferred me to other area because you know the the situation already intensified because uh, in outside you know uh, the internet and other medias you know were propagating and uh, they were announcing these people are uh, uh, imprisoned and the government, the security people also, you know, suspected maybe these people have some kind of connection from uh, with the outside world. So they 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 transfer us in a a close incommunicado 
prison places. That place is very harsh and uh, even there are also our friends still in prison for the past 17 years. That area, no communication with your family, no uh, food is coming from uh, a family and the government will give you a food uh, not enough, in fact, the, 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 yeah. there is a shortage of water. So I stay there seven months. That one is very, very ha horrible. And in fact, uh, uh, regarding to harassment, uh, nobody harassed me, nobody beat me. I didn't experience any kind of harassment or any mm, beat. Uh, but the, the confinement, because you know, this uh, no communication with anybody and uh, mm, Sunlight, maybe uh, in 24 hours, they allowed us only 30 minutes to get out of the room and we, they give us a sunlight. And after 30 minutes, sometimes even not even 30 minutes, and they lock down the, from outside and they count you uh, the, 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 in 24 hours, four times. You know? the, the, when they, they change the shift of the, the soldiers, they have to count you. And uh, the food was not that much enough food. And uh, so the, the, the sleeping place, not sleeping back, you know, we, we sleep on the floor and no enough food, no medicine, enough med medicine. The water is also shortage and it's third world, you know, you can, what can you expect from third world and even not even uh, in the prison, even outside is very hard. So that's, that uh, condition was very horrible and very tough. And the third imprisonment, in fact, uh, it was from uh, August uh, 2006 until uh, July uh, 20, 2007. Uh, the third one is at least a little bit, you know, free area. And the family will uh, come and visit you every month, once in a month. They don't touch you. They don't, they see you uh, with a, a small window and they talk to you and you talk to them at least for a few minutes, you know, in, in one in month, uh, one day, but few minutes. And, but they provide you food every week, uh, in a week, in fact, two days in the week. So, uh, uh, but inside the prison, there was uh, in fact free movement. And in fact, I was teaching in the, in the prison. I oh. was teaching the computer and also there is a school, you know, for the people. I was teaching computer and history from uh, grade nine to grade 11. I was teaching in the prisons. So I had a good time and uh, with the people, uh, but the only thing is we were cut down from outside world, from our uh, family and from uh, ministering the church. So that was the only concern, but inside it was not that much harsh, but doesn't mean everywhere is the same thing, but no. I don't know. In some area, there was very harsh, and some people were imprisoned in the container, as you have already said, in a very desert areas. But I was in Asmara. This is very highland, and the weather is not that much bad. Uh, so, except the shortage of food, medicine, and uh, separating from family and from your members. Uh, the other thing is, is not bad. How did you deal with that part of it being separated from your wife and your children? I mean, emotionally, that must have been just very, very difficult for you. Yeah, it was very difficult for me, not only for me, even for my family. Uh, when I, I get released, 
my wife was telling me that uh, my son, you remember my son, he was, when you visit us, he was only a few months. We were born in November and you visit us in December or January, mm-hmm. I think, maybe two months. So when I was in prison, he was one year and a few months. So, right. uh, uh, and uh, when he was playing outside with kids, he come back to uh, my wife and he asked her, everybody has his own father except me. I don't have my father. Who is my father? This was a question uh, asked to my wife and uh, tortured uh, her because of his question. And he was, uh, you know, in whole, all his behavior become changed and he become calm, very calm. And, you know, there was stress. She can observe the stressful for the kids and also the other kids also. So uh, I learned that. I heard that when I was released, she told me. But I was also expecting, you know, from inside, separate from family. And... Uh, uh, the, the, it will damage their uh, their uh, psychological effects. So, in fact, my wife also. It was it, she is not working. She is uh, the one who uh, uh, keep her kids and uh, breadwinners. And so, it was not easy. You know, she 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 already served as a father, as a mother uh, for the kids and for me. So it was not easy for her, even more than me. Uh, the, the 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 pressure was on on her, you know, and also she also was afraid. I mean, maybe sometimes you know they will arrest her also. So that was our concern. My concern was yeah. from inside: what if they arrest her? You know, with, what if she be arrested? And what about my kids? You know, there are a lot of things. But I was also giving my burden to the Lord. So. He also protected her. In fact, when I was in prison, uh, her father also died, you know, the one who was, yeah, death. just after uh, I was in prison, almost uh, maybe uh, not more than nine months. After nine months, he was uh, died. So in, uh, we were living together with her father in their home. So uh, in addition to my imprisonment, and also her father died. She, her mother is already died before. Yeah. So all the burdens were upon her and upon the kids. So that was very stressing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what some of our brothers and sisters in Christ have had to deal with, you know, you, your wife, your children. I mean, I've, you know, interviewed many Eritrean believers that uh, escaped into Ethiopia and they had stories of torture and, you know, their wives had been arrested. I mean, it's, it's really hard for us to understand how a government can treat its people like that. But we know that evil exists in this world, but there is a price to pay to follow Jesus. You, as we talked about right off the top, uh, you uh, had to learn that, you know, as a, as a young man and then later on. But one of the things I've heard you say, Kadani, that it's a privilege to suffer. Why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, it doesn't make sense to most people saying, no, I want, I want to avoid suffering. And yet you say it's a privilege. Because it's uh, to participate with the suffering of Christ is a great privilege because you will be rewarded from uh, the Abba, from the kingdom of God. In fact, the, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven it says so uh, blessed are you when others uh, reveal 
you and persecuted you and uttered all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophet who were before you. So persecution was even the prophet in the Old Testament and Christ himself and also the disciples. And after that, all the believers were persecuted. And Jesus Christ said, those who are suffered for the name of yeah. God are righteous and, and they will have a reward. So it's a great privilege to, uh, to be with Christ and to live in Christ in this world, evil world, and to be accounted as a righteous person. It's a privilege, you know. You can't get even by paying anything. It was free gift and to participate in his uh, suffering and to be uh, one of the kingdom people. So it's a great privilege. So you have, we have to be, you know, happy and rejoice. Yeah, glad. You know, we can know that theologically, and of course, uh, you and I have very different experiences. I've covered the persecuted church. I've met many believers like yourself. Um, as you mentioned, Holly Miski, Kiflu Gebremeskel, uh, two of the church leaders that have been in prison uh, for 17 years. I mean, we just can't even imagine. And you know, when it, and I speak of these brothers and the Eritrean believers almost every time I do a meeting. And I just say, you know, when the Bible tells us, you know, in Hebrews, remember those that are in prison as if you were in prison with them. We know the stories, we know the what the Bible teaches on it, but to actually like yourself experience it and then still choose, you know, to say, okay, I'm going to rejoice in this. Uh, from a human perspective, from a worldly perspective, that makes no sense. But I know that there's a grace of, you know, that the, the Lord gives you in the middle of all that. What do you feel when you think of your brothers and sisters that are still in prison back in Eritrea? Yeah, uh, in fact, it's too much, you know, those specialists, yeah. as you mentioned, uh, 17 years is not easy. No. And uh, in fact, still, uh, I also praise God because they are still in a, a good uh, health condition because uh, uh, without having enough food, without having enough sunlight, and without having even uh, um, medication, it's, it's very hard to live in that area. Even for one hour, it's very hard place. But still, they are alive, even though we don't see them. Uh, at least we hear some news from inside. Uh, so I praise God and for He protects them alive. First. And also, I feel um, um, joy because still they are in their face. They don't even, uh, yeah, they still they are standing on their face, uh, not turning back and no compromising. So it's a great lesson for everybody, those who hear about them. And also, I feel uh, uh, sorrow for the family, the kids. Uh, the kids already grown 17 years and some of them are uh, getting married and in fact uh, their kids tomorrow on uh, June 13 one of the pastor's daughter will get married in Asmara and the other pastor was uh, get married his daughter in the Ethiopia last uh, uh, time so and also their parents some of them are died you know their father and mother uh, while they were in the prison 
So they are passing through very, a very tough situations. So I always remember them. I always remember and pray for them. And also I'm, I'm praising God for he is protecting them. And also I'm hoping that uh, one day uh, the, the day will come and they will release. And also uh, they are, uh, uh, they are, they are, they are uh, the, the one of the, the they are, Rewarded, they would reward it what yeah. they cost the price. Yeah. Why do you think you were released and these other brothers were not, and they continue to be in prison after all these years? Yeah, I don't even know. This is uh, the, the 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 work of Holy Spirit. In fact, you know, uh, even those who were in prison with me, we were all uh, four people in the office found and. Uh, I was the only person stay for two and a half, but the others, uh, one of them stay only two years and one stay only seven months. And uh, one lady, she came to our office for the marriage ceremony. She was ready to marry, but they arrest her and she stay only two weeks in the prison. And then they released her and she gets married. And also, so I was the one who stayed two and a half years longer than others. And so uh, this is uh, the Holy Spirit because, you know, everybody has his own faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, plan of God, uh, because we know um, Christ stay here only 33 years. We, uh, yeah, and uh, Paul lived uh, how many years until 62 AD, and John, the 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 the, the, the apostle John, stay until he was the last the last uh, apostle. He 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 was uh, in fact stay until 95, as uh, the Bible, not the Bible, but the historian and other yeah, the, the history. And then if you yeah, had somebody. History. And even Peter, when uh, Jesus, you know, basically told him that uh, you're going to go to places you don't want to go. And, you yeah. know, he was he was preparing him that, uh, you know, he would likely have a martyr's death. And then Peter says, well, what about John? And then no, and no, Jesus John, said, yeah, yeah. hey, that, that, don't worry about that. You know, and, <laughs> but I think at times we have to say, OK, well, why me and why not them? And I mean, a lot of these things just, you know, don't make a lot of sense. And, you know, maybe we shouldn't spend too much of our energy trying to figure these things out. But eventually you were released. And I mean, over the years, we've reported on, you know, thousands have been imprisoned. Uh, you know, they would go to weddings, the government officials and rest the evangelicals and, around, you know, go to their homes and things like that. So that went on for a long time. You were imprisoned. You were eventually released after two and a half years. What was told to you when you were released? Why were they letting you go? Yeah, when they released me, uh, they said that it's time to go home because already you finished your sentence. And uh, in fact, they warned me not to involve in any uh, kind of uh, religion, uh, ministry. And uh, also, if they found me, they will uh, again catch or capture me. They warned me and uh, not to have any kind of connection and to live my own uh, personal life. So uh, even though, even, uh, you know, it's known that even though they don't say anything, it's expected that they don't want to see us to do again our ministry. So uh, uh, I was released, uh, but still under, uh, under, uh, they were watching, you know, under them. So 
uh, yeah, I stay at home and uh, even I didn't get out for six months from my, my home. I stay in my home for six months, even not to out outside to the city. So it was very dangerous. And uh, even your neighbors, you don't know who is uh, spying you. So yeah, it's yeah. a culture that's very difficult. Uh, while you're in prison, did you have opportunity to you know share your faith and and help others that were going through some pretty difficult situations like you were? Yes, yes. I was, uh, in fact, uh, in the school when I was teaching, uh, when I get time, you know, in fact, even in the prison, they're watching you, what you say, what you do. Yeah. And, but I was trying my best uh, to share what I get, the, the light of Christ. In fact, I remember one guy, he was uh, sick and we don't know what was his sickness, but uh, 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 when I saw him, I visit him in his uh, room. He was on the bed and almost at the verge of death. So uh, I witnessed Christ and told him and he decided to follow Jesus Christ and he, he prayed and I prayed for him. And the next day he, he died and the people told us he was uh, a patient of AIDS. So he died. Yeah. In fact, he's, uh, he, there were two people uh, arrested because of their crime. They killed they killed two ladies and uh, they were on sentence for her life. But uh, uh, as I have already told you, he was sick and I, I, I told him about Christ. He received Christ and the next day he died. So uh, I remember him and others also. There are a lot of people I, I told them about Christ. Uh, some of them decide, some of them maybe after I release or I don't know where are they. Maybe they are uh, in Christ now. So when I get any opportunity, I have to shine the light. I have to tell the truth. So I was always ready to tell the truth and show them uh, the, the, the light of Christ. Yeah, I know you're a man of uh, faith and you're a man that uh, loves God and wants to share the gospel. I mean, we, we should all, you know, have that same passion, you know, whether that we're, you know, in a, you know, in a church or whether we're in public or wherever we are, I know that even where I live, you know, I have Muslim neighbors and, you know, we're showing the love of Jesus and, and you want to have opportunities to share the gospel. I mean, that's, we either believe this or we don't. And I know that you do. We're, you know, all just passing through this lifetime. We're going to spend eternity with him. And, and that helps us, I think, to have that urgency to share the gospel. So eventually you decided it was time to leave Eritrea. Tell me about that journey, Kidani. Yeah, it was in uh, 2013. In fact, uh, uh, in fact, every year uh, people were arrested, especially the ministers and also some others also released from the prison. It's on and off. Uh, but in 2013, uh, I heard a rumor that they are going to arrest people, especially the leaders. So I was concerned. In fact, even at that time, the Lord told me in his voice to leave the country. So I talked with my wife and other ministers and decided to move. Was that I hard decided... for you too? Was that hard for you, Kadani, to leave Eritrea? Uh, uh, in fact, it was not that much hard. It was uh, not that much. You felt your time there was up and... The Lord had something else for you? 
Yes, the Lord prepare a way for me and uh, I flee to Sudan. But in Sudan also, I stay only three weeks. It's very hard in Sudan. And uh, from Sudan, I go to Ethiopia, back to Ethiopia, because I live in Ethiopia more than 40 years. I know Ethiopia, but uh, I don't have a citizenship already. They took my, they canceled my citizenship. But as a refugee, I, uh, uh, back, I come back to Ethiopia from Sudan. So in Ethiopia, when I arrive in Ethiopia, the church knows me, the college knows me, and they give me scholarship to pursue my my education. And I uh, uh, did my master's in leadership and management in the Graduate School of Theology in Ethiopia uh, for two years. So I was living in Ethiopia as a student and as a refugee. But your family was not with you at that time. You no, no, yeah, yeah. It was very, very hard to to bring your family. In fact, no connection. In fact, at that time, even there was no any uh, phone connection from Ethiopia to Eritrea because for the past twenty years, no connection, no nothing. So even the internet in Eritrea is not um, that much. So uh, there was no any uh, option to 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 communicate even with my family. The same thing as imprisonment because I was uh, I, I have to tell to my family who were living in uh, abroad in Europe or in America and they have to tell her the other way is that I'm doing fine and the, 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 it was uh, through other uh, mediators to talk with my wife so uh, she cannot come my kids cannot come and it was not easy to to leave the country so I have to uh, escape myself and live in Ethiopia for two years. And we don't know about the future, but the Lord prepare, you know, the way because he has own, his own plan. So after uh, graduating in Ethiopia, also I get opportunity to come to U.S. And I came to U.S. and stay here. Then finally, uh, after I get asylum and uh, my family, I apply for my family and the Lord prepare, you know, the the peace uh, between the two countries, you know, uh, open the doors yeah. and the family joining me. That was uh, a great uh, opportunity. The Lord prepared everything. It was not in my mind, but, you know, it was in uh, God's plan. Yeah, that's God's plan. So let's go back to your family. How did they then get out of Eritrea. And and I know one of the things that I heard you share before is that your son and daughter had to walk for three days. Yes. My son, 14 years old, and my daughter, uh, 20 years old, 20, 21 years old, they have to walk for three days and night to cross the border. At that time, the border was uh, the conflict zone and there were soldiers and mines and this uh, bush and uh, wild animals. So they have to travel during the night time, dark time. During the day, they have to hide somewhere inside because uh, they will find them. If they find them, they will arrest them or they will kill them. We don't, we don't know. So there are a lot of people killed and arrested when they cross the border. Mm -hmm. So for three days and night, and uh, we no have no food, and it's very risky situations, and they able to cross for three and day, and finally they arrive. The Lord was protecting them, and they they they, they were able to 
across the the the, the border. It was in uh, ninety in two thousand seventeen, but when they arrived in the refugee camp and they came to uh, Addis Ababa, and after a few months, I remember it was two thousand eighteen, the the peace between Ethiopia and Eritrea uh, came and the sign agreement. So after that, uh, my wife and other kids able to cross uh, freely without any problem. I imagine, you know, when you heard what your family had to go through, I mean, as a dad, uh, I mean, your heart breaks, but also, you know, I guess over time, you just had to trust the Lord for these things. I mean, we're all supposed to, but, you know, you learned that really that was what you had to do. You had to put your faith in God and that he would protect your family. Kadani, what did you learn during your time in prison about God and your relationship with him? In the prison, it was a very harsh time. You know, you are prison, imprisoned with various kind of people and situations. But during those time, I was learned from God. And I have to pass this path as the disciples go through and the prophets go through and various people in the Bible go through. I have to go my path also. And I was, you know, uh, uh, learning that the Lord is still protecting me, providing me. Mm -hmm. He provide everything, and I was healthy, and uh, I was, you know, uh, I was just learned that the Lord is faithful to keep His words. He told me, and He did it. Everything what He told me. So uh, the time I had was very nice, and I was intact with God. And he was telling me that he is a victorious God. Victory is belong to him because he is almighty God. And I was, yeah, even though we were imprisoned, we were in, the, you know, in, the, in any very oppressed situation, but still the Lord is Lord. Even when I was looking for about my Christ, he was suffered. Even though he's a God, he was suffered. But finally, he raised from dead. So I was thinking that the day will come for the resurrection, for the restoration, for the victory. Today, the sorrow, tomorrow will be the joy, the happiness. So in fact, even when I passed through, there was also inside a peace and happiness inside because the Lord put in yours, in yours, the grace, the grace of God is sufficient for everybody and he was giving his grace to to, to grace to, to to pass through all this suffering so i was amazed and i was also always praising his name we never would ask the lord to you know have us in these situations we're imprisoned but when we go through them we learn some things about god's character we learn some things about ourselves and we grow and we mature. Um, and again, most of us will never experience what you have experienced, but we can learn from you. So now, Kadani, you're living in California. You have three of your four children with you, but your daughter, Rhoda, is still in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. But Lord willing, we're praying that she will soon be in Canada. Amen, amen. Yeah, she's on the way already. She started the process. So. I am sure she will come maybe in this summer. 
Well, we'll uh, look forward to her. And actually where she will be, at least when she comes to Canada, won't be too far from where I live. So uh, I'll go visit her. And I know that we're looking forward to reconnecting. We haven't been together, uh, you know, in the same room for 17 years. But I can tell you that I was praying for you and continue to pray for Holly and Kiflu and the other believers that uh, that are still in prison. You know, earlier this year, of course, you heard the stories that dozens of Christians had been released from prison. There's still been arrest, but we're hopeful that things are starting to change and that uh, there will be many reunions like the one that you've had with your family. So, Kadani, how can we pray for Eritrea and the situation there currently? Yeah, it's uh, obvious. In fact, uh, we need a prayer for the restoration of the country. As you have already said, many people are scattered from the country. Those who are living inside have also a problem. Even the government, we have to pray for the government to get the wisdom. You know, in the Bible, uh, King Solomon uh, uh, was praying for God to give him a wisdom. So, all the leaders need the wisdom, wisdom of God to lead their people. If they got uh, the righteous wisdom from God, not, uh, the, 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 not the evil wisdom, you know, yeah. God's wisdom, and they will lead their people righteously. And the people, the country will also uh, get uh, prosperity. So we have to pray for not even Eritrea, including Ethiopia and Eastern part of Africa and uh, the Christianity will also uh, uh, spread throughout the area because uh, we, we everybody should uh, live in Christ and to yeah. get safe, safe. So we have to pray for the country, for the people, for the restoration. You know, yeah. it's damaging. A lot of things are damaged, uh, not only imprisonment, but economy collapse and everything is in a, a, a very hard situation. Even the government is not, uh, yeah, uh, it's not in a good uh, uh, situation. So the government also needs the support of prayer for from us and the people, the, the believers, all those who scattered and we need to pray for the family and for the yeah. government and for the economy and for everything. So the restoration, in fact, we know that the Lord has a promise for his people. Even the Bible says, I have a good plan for you. Even though you are passing with this hardship, he has a good plan for everybody. So that's what should be uh, implemented in our country. So we have to pray for our country, for leaders and for the people. And uh, we're going to, I'm going to get you to do that. And, you know, I've just been in Eritrea once, but it is one of the most beautiful countries that I have been in a variety of different climates, you know, the mountains where it's cool. And then you get out by the Red Sea, it's extremely hot out there and Asmara, nice, you know, moderate temperatures. And, and it's just a beautiful country. And, and I, I know I look forward to going back there someday and I know you do as well, but before we close Kadani, can you pray for your country and uh, we're just going to get everybody that's uh, you know listening to this podcast to join us okay let's pray our heavenly father we thank you for everything you are doing in this earth specifically in our country and in our areas we know that you are a good god you have a good plan for your people and for all human beings and you prepare your kingdom for everybody, for human beings. And we pray that at this time, you will prevail, your spirit will 
spread, your spirit will work in our areas, in our country, in our people, among the church, among the leaders, among the political leaders, and lead them in a right way, give them a wisdom to lead their people. And we pray that you will give us restoration as a country, as a continent in Africa, even in other areas. And also we bless the Western countries who are helping our people in all situations. We pray that your kingdom will be filled in our country, in our areas, in our continents, and your people will uh, test the right of your, your kingdom. And also we pray for those who are in prison, you will protect them from evil. You will pro provide them what they need and you will release them in healthy situations. We also praise your name because you are still working with them. You are still protecting them and their family. We praise your name and we praise your uh, people. And also we commit everything, everybody to you and you will be among everybody in the church and outside the church. And we praise your name. And we also we, we thank you for this time, for this opportunity. And we pray also for the church of this uh, age to, to help in all uh, what the churches need, the people need to provide and to help the people of God. And to have unity, oh Lord, to give us unity, to give us uh, wisdom, to give us your Holy Spirit. And we praise your name for this time and for the privilege you've given us, and we praise your name in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, Danny, I want to pray for you, Tegasi, uh, your children, and we especially think of Rhoda, that she soon will be in Canada, and that you guys will be reunited as a family. I know that's going to just be such an amazing thing, and, uh, you know, I, you know, again, I, I know when I'm away from my kids for two weeks, I, you know, now they got grandkids, you know, I just will want to see them. And I just can't imagine all that you've been through, you know, adding it up. It's like 12 years that you were separated from your family. And yet, you know, the joy that you still share is just amazing. But let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for Tigasi. I thank you for Kadani, uh, for Rhoda, the other children, Lord, continue to be with them as a family. Uh, those lost years uh, where they were apart, Lord, that uh, you would just multiply their time together. Thank you for this amazing family. I continue to use Kadani mightily for the kingdom. Now he's in the United States, but I know his heart and passion is still for the people of Eritrea. Just continue to guide and lead him as you have for these many years. I thank you for my brother and uh, Lord, what we have learned even talking today is that you are faithful no matter what we are going through, whether we're in prison, whether we're sick, whatever it is, you promise never to leave us or forsake us. So I pray your blessing upon my brother. Thank you for, again, this time that we've had together as we stir each other up in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So nice to reconnect with Kadani after 17 years and hear his story. And uh, we're in regular contact, getting to know each other even better, you know, developing a friendship that just barely got going almost two decades ago. 
and so glad to hear that he is in the United States and he is safe. But as mentioned, there's one family member that's not yet with them. That is his daughter, Rhoda. She's still in Ethiopia. We are praying that she will safely be in Canada very, very soon. And the family can finally be all reunited together. So please pray for that. And also for our brothers and sisters in Christ and Eritrea, both inside and outside the country, so many of them have been through difficult situations, imprisonment and torture, and just living under the pressure of an oppressive government because of their faith, always having to look out. And, and that creates just a lot of fear. So continue to remember them. And by the way, if you'd like to learn more about the Evangelical Church in Eritrea, I did a documentary a few years ago on the situation facing the followers of Christ. And I will put that link on the podcast notes. And uh, it just gives you a better understanding of what's happening. And, you know, so we can just pray more effectively for those that are laboring for the gospel of Jesus Christ in Eritrea. So appreciate if you would share this podcast with your friends and family. We just want to get people aware of what our brothers and sisters in Christ are going through in countries like Eritrea, North Korea, India, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, right around the world want to pray for them we want to support them we want them to know that we love them and we are cheering them on and you know like our brothers and sisters in eritrea the closer you are to jesus the closer you are to the fire